0: In those days, a decree went out from Caesar, and so everyone went to their town to be registered. Joseph went up from Nazareth to the city of Bethlehem along with Mary, and when they were there, it came time for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son, wrapped him in cloth and laid him in a manger. In the same region, shepherds were staying out in the field at night and keeping watch over their flock. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the city of David a Savior was born, for you who is the Messiah, the Lord,
1: Good evening, uh, everybody. Uh, So, has anyone ever looked at the world, like through watching the news, scrolling through, especially scrolling through social media, um, and just thought to themselves like, man, this world is crazy. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, And... uh, I know a weird way to start a Christmas Eve message, uh, but I know I can't be the only one. There's just so much crazy things going on in the world today, um, and it doesn't help that we have access to see and hear every last bit of negative things that's going on in the world. And, uh... The reason I bring this up is that because of my, or part of my job as a teacher, as a leader, um, is to give a message of hope, right? The gospel in the midst of all the craziness that is going on in the world. And to be honest, it's, it's a little intimidating sometimes. It, it, sometimes it feels like such an insurmountable task. And now, I know it's not me Any of my skills, which aren't many, (laughs) or anything that I can do that that makes the gospel penetrate the hearts of those who listen to it. I know it's all God, but still, it's, it's, it it can be overwhelming at times with this, this task. Uh, But one of the reasons I love the Bible so much is that it's so relatable. The gospel story is a relatable story story, and if you don't believe me, let's go back to Luke 2. I know you might have gotten distracted from the cute kids on stage during the Scripture readings. Uh, But this is how it starts, and this is a crazy way to start. It says this, Luke 2, 1, in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that the whole empire should be registered. This first registration took place while Quirinius was governing Syria, so everyone went to be registered, each to his own town. Now this might be one of those uh, sections that we just tend to skip over when we think about the Christmas story and reading about Jesus. Like who cares about Caesar Augustus? I don't even know who this Quirinius guy, I don't even know how to say his name. You know, who cares? But uh, so, so we tend to like to skip to the part where Jesus is, you know, born and, but this is a very important place to start. This really sets up the Christmas story, the story of Jesus. You see, uh, this is the part that is relatable. The the mentioning of these rulers, of Caesar Augustus, uh, of the census being decreed, it's a painful reminder to all those who are in Israel that they're still in captivity, that they're still under the rule of the Romans, and and that their land, the land uh, that God promised them all those years ago, isn't really their land, It's, it's Rome's. And this census isn't just some kind of uh, self-voluntary census like the people knocking on your doors today, right? Uh, It's not just to count people. Most likely this census was used to see how much money, how many taxes that the Roman government can squeeze out of the people that are living in Israel. So nobody, not even back then, liked taxes, especially those in Israel. Uh, So I think uh, the—but I think the author of Luke is very intentional with starting off this story of Jesus' birth this way, because he seems to set it up in a way that is realistic to the the world that they're living in. You see, I I can only imagine that Jews during this time, under the persecution of these different uh, uh, foreign leaders— We're just looking at the world like, man, this world is crazy, and Romans did some crazy stuff. But you see, we're lucky today because we can look back on this story and, you know, those who are familiar with this story already know that this savior of the universe, Jesus, was being born, and we know that all the craziness in the world wouldn't matter. Because Jesus was now present on earth, and we know that he would perform miracles, he would heal people, he would deliver them, he would set them free, uh, all those who believed in him. But if you were a first century Jew, you wouldn't have known that yet. You would have been waiting hundreds of years for the long-awaited Messiah that they always talked about. And this is why this verse that that happens later on, I think, is very important. Luke 2.10, it says, But the angel said to them, Don't be afraid, for look, I proclaim the good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the city of David, a Savior was born for you. Who is the Messiah? The Lord. Now, just to give a brief overview, like I said, if you weren't able to catch the the full uh, flow of scriptures that were read today, Uh, just to give a little recap of where we're at, the census brought Joseph and Mary to Bethlehem, because that's where Joseph had to check in and do his due diligence. For the census. Now, mind you, Mary was pregnant at the time with Jesus, and uh, they had traveled all the way from their hometown uh, of Nazareth to Bethlehem. Now, I had the privilege of visiting Israel earlier this year, and uh, Nazareth is not close to Bethlehem at all. So this would have been about a three to four day journey, and unfortunately there was no Ubers available, so it would have been on a donkey or on foot. And of course, you know, the time that Mary, for Mary to give birth happens to be while they're on this trip to Bethlehem, right? Always perfect timing. And uh, so they end up having, they end up having to find a place for Mary to give birth, and Ultimately, they end up finding that place. Everything works out. Uh, She ends up giving birth to Jesus. Again, not in the most ideal of conditions, but it happens. But then this story transitions in such a weird way. If you really—sometimes we read it so much, we don't really catch this, but the story transitions in a really random way. You see, if I was writing this story— I would have just end it right there. Like, like that, that seems like a logical place to stop, or the climax of the story, Jesus, the savior of the world is born, boom, end of story. Go on to him when he's older. But that isn't how this story ends. It doesn't end on Jesus. Being born, and I I think that's really intentional because instead it jumps to some random shepherds who are in the same region that Mary and Joseph are in, and, and these shepherds aren't even given a name. All that's mentioned about them is that they were just working in the field throughout the night, and while they were there, an angel of the Lord appeared to them. And, and he told them, hey, I got some good news for you. And, and this is the verse we just read, verse 10. The angel of the Lord said, don't be afraid. I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. And then he, he adds this at the end. He said, today a Savior will be born to you. Who is the Messiah, the Lord? Now, I'll stop here for a second. Uh, you know, what, what is the Messiah? What does this mean? Why, why is this significant? Why is this important? If, and we're through this series, if you've been tagging along, uh, we've been talking through different titles of Jesus. It, well, Messiah is a word that we really don't use in our culture. Today. I haven't seen it. We don't use it much in our culture today, so it's understandable if most people don't know what it means. It comes from the Hebrew word mashiach, and because the New Testament was written in Greek, uh, they they translated this word to Christos uh, instead of Messiah, which we translate today as Christ. And this is why some versions of this Bible, if you have a different version, says Christ the Lord in this section instead. But contrary to popular belief, uh, Christ is not actually Jesus' last name. I know, mind blown. Some of you guys are like, what? My whole life is a lie. No, you know, so Christ is not actually Jesus' last name. It's just a title for Jesus. Uh, And because Messiah and Christ have the same meaning, which they both mean anointed one. Now, as you can see from the graphic. Now, you see, Messiah uh, was a title that carried a lot of weight. Jews in this day would know exactly what this title implied. Because anyone who was anointed, and they would anoint them with oil in the Old Testament, was someone who was deemed chosen by God to fulfill a specific purpose. So this was a big deal. The person who was anointed would act as a bridge, a connection point between God and his people, which is why this this title is normally just given—this anointing uh, procedure was only given to priests, kings, and prophets. So for an angel of the Lord to come and tell these shepherds in this field that the Messiah, the Anointed One, was born not just among them but for them, that was huge. Now what I find fascinating about this uh, part of the story is that it really paints a picture of who Jesus is and who he came to save. You see, Jesus is the anointed one. He will find later that he is the king, that he is the high priest, and that he is the prophet all in one. And he came to save everybody. You see this greeting that the angels came with, this, I proclaim to you, good news. This, this was a greeting that was given often by the Romans, usually uh, as a way to proclaim the birth of an heir to the emperor, uh, or their coming of age, or their ascension to the throne. And because of this, usually when the Romans did this, uh, this message was given to everybody. And usually it was in a very over-the-top way, right? Celebration. And this was so that everyone knew and, and understood that the person being born was important whenever this message came. And yet here in this story, we see an angel of the Lord giving this message of good news to a group of unnamed shepherds in the middle of the night, in an insignificant region of Bethlehem, and, it's, uh, and just to give you a little more picture of what this is, shepherds uh, were despised by most religious people because they were the grunt workers. They did what nobody else wanted to do. They usually slept alongside the animals that they were taken care of out in the fields. And the shepherding job was set aside for people who were low in status, and that's why it usually was, was kids that are shepherds. It was by no means a job that anybody of any importance had. But here, the first people that are notified about the king of kings' birth are shepherds. And like I said, I believe this is a clear glimpse into the purpose and mission of Jesus's life. It was a glimpse of showing how Jesus was the one true Savior, the true Messiah, the anointed one that the world, the whole world needed. And I love how this story ends. The angel tells the shepherds uh, that they, they could find this Savior wrapped tightly lying in a manger. And once the angels left, the shepherds actually went to go search for Jesus, and they found him. They told Mary and Joseph of what happened, you know, what they seen, and, uh, and when they were leaving, it says this. It says, the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had seen and heard, which were just as they had been told. One of the commentaries I read uh, pointed out this contrast between uh, the Caesar Augustus and Jesus. You see, Augustus, he had this decree forcibly made people, uh, you know, follow this decree. He lived richly in a palace. They would only be born—these kings would only be born in important cities. And his authority and prominence was all by force, and yet here Jesus, the anointed one, was born in this unknown city, lying in a manger with animals around, and the declaration of his birth was made to some unknown shepherds in the middle of nowhere, but his prominence was gained through the witness of the transformed lives spreading this news to to others. See, that's a big difference. As you see, Jesus was not what anybody (laughs) expected, and yet he was everything that everyone needed. I believe that Jesus is worth serving because he is not like any other king. He wasn't like uh, the Caesars of the world. I believe the the shepherds were rejoicing uh, in, in praising God here in this story because they finally encountered a king, a God that noticed them, that included them. I've been following Jesus for a long time, and and man, one of the biggest lies that the enemy uh, makes against us is making us think that all of this isn't for us, that we have to act a certain way, that we have to be of certain status, that we have to be perfect. But my favorite part of this message— from the angels to them in this story is they they say, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. A savior was born for you. If you're new to this whole Christianity thing, I just want you to know that this is for you. Or if you've been following Jesus for a minute and maybe you even had your struggles and, and, and maybe even in your mind thinking like, man, I, I don't know about this anymore. I want you to know this is still for you. See, that's, this, that's the good news, that it's for us Jesus is the anointed one that we need and have needed, and the good news is that uh, you don't have to walk this walk alone, because Jesus is not only the king, but he's also our mediator, right? He's our priest. First Timothy 2, 5 through 6 says, for there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man Jesus Christ. Christ, who gave himself as a ransom for all, a testimony at the proper time. Now, as we leave today uh, and celebrate Christmas with our families and, you know, have fun, I just, I just want you all to remember uh, just a couple things. Number one, you are loved. The Bible says no one has greater love than this, that he lays down his life for his friends, and that's exactly what Jesus did for you. Number two, there's room for you in this family. Uh, The Bible says, but to all who did receive him, he gave them the right to become children of God. You're adopted into this family when you believe. And number three, you're not alone in this. Like I said, you're a part of a family. And I'll end with this verse from Philippians 2, because I think this paints a a beautiful picture of why we celebrate the life of Jesus. Paul says this, he says, adopt the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus, who, existing in the form of God, did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a servant, taking on the likeness of humanity, and when he had come as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even to death on a cross. For this reason, God highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, So that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus, for your life. Thank you for coming down and just being present with humanity. Uh, Father God, I just thank you for your willingness to send your son in our place. I thank you uh, that Jesus was this perfect being who was present, with humanity, who, who was a servant to all who didn't come as a ruler, a tyrant, as somebody who was just trying to control people, but somebody who would get down low with the lowest in society and walk alongside them. And God, I just ask that as we go along our week, this Christmas Eve, and as we spend time with our family, that we just, just give us a sense of gratitude and, and, and help us to remember that uh, we are here because of you. And just fill our hearts with uh, uh, just thankfulness. And just help us to enjoy uh, our time with one another this, these holidays. And ask all this in the name of Jesus.
0: Amen.